we're going to go queen to f3. Dan? Yeah, that's fair. Actually, I've never seen that move in this position. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, no. That's a bad... Okay, bad sign, maybe, Andrew. Two can play that game. Hey, I'm Pete Steele. And I'm Andrew Miller. And welcome to Two Can Play That Game, the podcast for people who have one friend. If you have more than one friend, this podcast is not for you. No, it's not. In fact, um, I don't know if you actually saw this. The CDC says that it's uh, now, if you have more than one friend, it's not safe for you to listen to the show. So sorry. Oh, I see how that yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The head of the CDC has uh, has come out and has weighed in on podcasts, finally. We've been waiting. <laughs> and, the, well, number number of friends, specifically. It's just... Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. They've, they've labeled podcasts a disease, finally. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's kind of true. Yeah. Women across the world have been uh, plagued by, uh, you know, w- white straight guys doing podcasts for, <laughs> for years, and they finally have uh, observed the risk involved in uh, podcast existing, so... Right. We're not the only podcast that's just guys with one friend talking. It's, uh, we'll say <laughs> no. that. No, no, no. <laughs> Andrew, today, yeah. we're going to be covering a board game. How about that? We thought we'd mix it up and cover Whoa. a board game today. Specifically, a kind of a card game, this one, really, right? Um, well, it's a yeah, board, I guess that's board game true. slash card game. I don't know, tabletop game, we could call it. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of a card drafting tableau game. But there are some some, there's a board element to it, you know what I mean? A little bit, a little bit. Anyway, what game are we talking about? Well, it's the fabulous game called Seven Wonders Duel. Seven Wonders Duel, not to be confused with Seven Wonders. This is the dueling version. <laughs> that is right, Andrew. This is a specifically a, a two-player spinoff of Seven Wonders, the very um, popular party game. No, yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> gr- I mean, that, that one is... Group it, game, it, it, right? it, <laughs> group game i guess you'd say yeah you don't have to be having a great time when you're playing it you don't have to be you know i mean you don't have to be doing keg stands and uh drinking (laughs) beer out of a out of a funnel when you when you're playing it you can just be a group of people right there doesn't there doesn't have to be you know artichoke dip there but it can be (laughs) that's just that's (laughs) too wild for me i can't i'm I'm like running through everything i can think of that that describes a party in my head and i've already run out of things i've already landed on artichoke (laughs) artichoke dip that's how unfamiliar i am with the concept of going to a party with more than one friend right yeah exactly (laughs) so andrew this is uh they took seven wonders which was you know all about building you know great cities or whatnot and then um the seven wonders of the ancient world is the uh kind of jumping off point and you build one of those in in your city and then they you know turned it into a two player one versus one headbutting you know what i mean um, a very right. competitive game where you're you're directly in competition with one other person and they ended up seven wonders duel and i'll say we've been on a roll with this recently pete i don't know if you noticed there's a trend happening here on our show we've had How so? uh, well, we did Agricola, All Creatures Big and Small, right? That was a spinoff of a very popular game, Agricola. And then last oh, yeah. week last week we did uh, Carcassonne, The Castle, right? A spinoff of another very popular game, Carcassonne. Whoa. And now, oh, yeah. Now we're doing another one, Seven Wonders du- Duel, spinoff of Seven Wonders. So it's just people keep turning these multiplayer games into a two-player version. <laughs> How <laughs> so, about that, Andrew? Lucky for yeah. us. Lucky for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically, very, yeah, very popular base games that then they made a two-player version of. And honestly, I think in, uh, well, we'll get into it a little bit later, our view on it, but they all are pretty highly regarded. 
these uh, two-player variants, and uh, and this one maybe especially so. There, are, this one is very highly regarded, Andrew. Now we've gone far enough here, Pete. Let's not give them too much information about this game because people are busy. All right, let's just right. try and su- let's try and sum this up in one sentence. Ah, one sentence explanations. Okay, so we're going to try and explain this in one sentence. Here's my one-sentence explanation. You ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven Wonders Duel is a card game of keeping up with the Joneses, but if you can't keep up with the Joneses, you can just wage war on the Joneses. <laughs> yes, the Joneses keep coming up, baby. We we are keeping up with the Joneses references. I... I uh... <laughs> I worry that there are uh, enough young people listening to this podcast that, that have no idea. They haven't heard that idiom. Uh, you know, this is probably the uh, honestly us saying this idiom is probably the first time I've heard this idiom in many years, my friend. <laughs> it's However, a reference to uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's where that comes right. from. Right. And a lot of young people have never seen that one because they heard it was very bad. Yeah. Right. Right. Good point. <laughs> Andrew, my um my one sentence explanation of Seven Wonders Duel is a fun game that gamifies building great classic cities while conveniently hardly mentioning the labor that goes into it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it that's never a, it's, that's it's just true. it never there's this is not a worker placement game, you know what I mean? There's no workers involved. There yep. uh, there's kind of some drawings on the cards of the workers doing these things, but that's not what's important. What's important is the end product. This is kind of like what business school guys take away from history class, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> some of us are in history class and we're and we're we're like, "Okay, this is the history of humans and like what we've accomplished and like what the the blood sweat and tears that it took to accomplish these things and then there's like you know business school guys who are like yeah that is cool that they definitely built a big bank and then the bank made money or something like that you know what i mean or 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 they're or they're like yeah then that became the capital and they crushed everybody it's like uh okay that's kind of not the point (laughs) it's kind of like if some let's say hypothetically some real estate mogul like you know had a bunch of skyscrapers like look at all these skyscrapers i built like you're skipping over something there buddy you know yes right exactly exactly i brought these into the world you know what i mean it's like hmm interesting yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) okay so how do you play this game pete (laughs) let's let's talk about (laughs) okay andrew it's pretty simple this is a card drafting game so there you and the other player look at a pool of available cards to you, and that does change over the course of the game. But on a given turn, you look at the cards that are available to you, you simply choose the one that you think is best for your situation, and then you draft it into your your hand, or in this case, you draft it into your city. Right. And then it's the other person's turn, and they, they do the same thing. Now, sometimes when by taking a card, you actually reveal some cards that are behind it, and they become available. And so there's some meta game in that, in working the actual like cards themselves to to try to get what you want, to try to make what you want available out of what is on the table. That is one thing that I th- I thought was really cool about this was, and I'm sure this has been done in other games. In fact, probably just regular old card games that I'm not thinking of some sort of solitaire version. I bet is out there like this. But you kind of build mm-hmm. like a different shape out of the cards, right? And some of them are covered up by the other cards partially, and you can't get to the ones until you've taken ones that are on top, so to mm-hmm. speak. Some of them are upside yep. down, so you don't know what they're going to be. Some of them are right side up, so you do know what they're going to be. So it's really neat that way. I I loved that part. Yeah, there's there's definitely layers of strategy, and and I and I know you are a guy who loves to uh, flip up and reveal cards and suddenly have oh. to you know gain new information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're a real secret information just, guy, which which is great. I just love to flip up cards. Just yes, dri- drives yes. me nuts. 
And otherwise, it's kind of an engine-building game, too, because the cards that you can take into your city, oftentimes, they're, they're, they either produce resources that then immediately your city produces and can be used to buy other cards in the future, essentially, um, or they have some other effect that happens on your city, basically. And one quick thing that stood out to me about those resources is that you never spend them. It's just like once you have that building in your city, you always have, you can always make enough brick. You know, you can always make right. Brick. Which, for some reason, I just loved because I don't have to worry about spending and how much do I have. And, you know, it's it's just I always have it. I think it makes it more accessible, honestly, Andrew, because I think some people are very intimidated when they see some of these engine building games where you have to send workers out to get like wood and then you have a fine and then you have a finite amount of wood and then you spend right. it and you have to keep track of that how much you have and, and getting more and in this case it just is what it is it, it always is that it just it, there's less you have to keep track of which i think makes exactly. it more accessible but yeah you also have uh, a set of wonders in the case of this game i believe it's four wonders that each of us have three or three or yeah. four wonders that's why it's um, called three four. the game the game is called three or four wonders duel that's the name of the yes game. exactly <laughs> and you can also use your resources to complete the wonders too which then in turn either give you they usually give you a mix of victory points and other effects and things like that so you're 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 chaining combos together a lot of the time they're like super cards yeah exactly and, and what it really ends up looking like is like on a given turn you might take a card that is like a lumber yard and it produces lumber and then you can use that to build a in a in a in another turn you can suddenly build a um, script maker or like paper maker um, building and then in turn you can actually use that to then build like a library which is worth more so it's like you are advancing your city as you go along basically which mm -hmm. i think is a really cool use of the like civilization theme you know what i mean um, yes. advancing a society the, and then um by the end you basically just there's three ways to win either you just by the end have the most victory points period amongst all the cards that you have gotten mm -hmm. or you can take cards into your city that are military cards so they don't provide victory points they don't provide any other effect other than building up your military and in this game specifically unlike the original seven wonders duel you can end the game prematurely by just building up enough military that you completely dominate your opponent um, so you have to keep track of that too yeah and i love the way that you keep track of it it's on like a little uh, imagine like a little timeline on the side and as you gain military you move this little marker kind of closer and closer to your opponent along the timeline and mm -hmm. if they gain military they start moving it back towards you so it's kind of like right. a back and forth ping pong match of military so if you mm -hmm. really if you really beef up your military you can get really close to uh once you get to the end of the track then you you the game ends and you win so you always got to keep right. an eye on that yeah, if you're not uh, watching that as as someone's opponent, you know, I mean, and it gets closer and closer to you, you might lose control of the game and they might in a, in a few turns completely dominate you and end it right there prematurely, which can be very jolting. Um, the same thing can happen with a science victory, which is the yeah. third way to win, which is you can collect science cards to advance society. They're a whole different color. And um, if you get three pairs of the same symbol, every science card has a symbol then you just win via science, which I think is a very cool use of the theme as well. You're just such a scientifically advanced society. You just are the top society, basically. And so that's another thing you have to keep track of, because if you're not keeping track of how your opponent is collecting those, then before you know it, you might be out of options to stop that as well. So yeah, um, three different ways to win. 
and it could just be flat out improving your society, um, which is tracked with victory points, or militarily dominating your opponent, or scientifically dominating your opponent. And that's it. Yeah, I like that it, uh, you know, you have kind of three different things to think about. You're always, you can't necessarily just pile up on one of those things because, you know, your opponent might pile up on the other one. So you kind of want to always be diversifying a little bit, but not too diverse, you know, because you got to kind of go for one of them. So it's, uh, it's a lot of strategy and a lot of replayability there, I'd say. Yeah, it's it, and it's really fun and it's very quick and has a, a fast pace. And um, I find it kind of exciting, honestly, that it's so brisk as well. And because yeah. you're you're kind of like achieving so much in a city at a very quick pace and you got to keep track of everything. But but at kind of like a, a nice light level. And if you do it right, you come out on top. So I, I think it's I think it's the whole thing's very enjoyable and uh, and rich with history. And Andrew, speaking of history. Why don't you give me a little bit of history about the actual making of this game? Okay, all right, I hear what you're saying there. We, uh, I did look into the history of this game, as usual. Um, Seven Wonders Duel came out in 2015. Designed by two French guys, Antoine hmm. Bauza and Bruno Catala. Okay, and uh, so Antoine, uh, he was the original designer of the original seven wonders game which came out in 2010 so five years before that uh which by the way big huge success um apparently this is true it's the world's most awarded board game it's won the most awards of any board game ever wow throughout history the most awards that it wow yeah isn't that a wonder right that's the it's the eighth one (laughs) (laughs) hey okay now we're talking (laughs) interesting although i will say this is kind of interesting to me seven wonders duel has a higher rating on board game geek than the original does so um, there are there are a subset of people who claim that this one is better than the original multiplayer one you know what i mean yeah interesting so that original game uh, was for three to seven players, you know, seven being everyone had one of the seven wonders, right? But um, mm-hmm. there was a variant where you had to change the rules in there in order to make it playable with two players. And Antoine was unhappy with those, that rule variant. It didn't quite, a little clunky, right? Didn't quite work the right way. Yeah, there was like, you, you almost like set up like a dummy city and then played cards into that and everything like that. So it wasn't as streamlined as as this one is right and so he that kind of bothered him so he wanted he was on a plane with bruno catala which by the way we've talked about him before right he was the designer of uh remind me again raptor, raptor. um and he's also the designer of uh, one of the most famous two-player games mr jack and yes. uh, a, a long list of other ones that i'm forgetting now and looking like an idiot but yeah definitely a very well-known <laughs> um uh, specifically designer of, of a lot of well-known two-player games in addition to some multiplayer games too. So it's like, um, just just like in the past episode when um, Rainer Knizia, you know, jumped into the world of Carcassonne, you know what I mean? Uh, known as a, a well-known designer of two-player games. It sounds like the same thing happened here with Bruno jumping into the world of Seven Wonders. Yeah, a, a similar thing happened, I'd say, that um, Bruno... He was so Antoine was on the plane with Bruno, and he knew that Bruno was um, was kind of famous for two player games. That was his wheelhouse, and uh, for Antoine, it was not necessarily. So he asked him to help him develop a two player uh, game in the Seven Wonders. Uh, uh-huh. So they they actually did work on it together. Unlike that, it was a little more collaborative in yes. this case. Yeah. 
So they did they did work on it together. And like I said, Bruno is a kind of a aficionado of two player games. He said uh, in one interview that I read, he said he spent much of his youth playing uh, two player abstracts like chess and Go and Othello and uh, other ones. So that's kind of that's kind of been his thing. Sounds like our kind of guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. A lonely child who had no other friends. Yeah. <laughs> So their goal for this one was to kind of keep all of the elements uh, from the original game. So they have the three the three different ages that you move through with the three different you know decks of cards you have. Mm-hmm. You have all the same. You have the science and the warfare and all that stuff. But they just obviously they had to change the mechanic of it a little bit. They kept pretty much all of the theme elements in there, and they just kind of mixed them up a little bit, changed changed the mechanics, and boom, there you go. There's there's Seven Wonders Seven Wonders Duel. Wow. Yeah. Well, Andrew, I can see, uh, you know, that that was kind of destined for greatness, it sounds like to me. But don't take my word for it. Andrew, go ahead and review on this. Review on this. Okay, yeah, review on this. I can't wait for that. I'll always love this segment. This is the segment where Pete is going to read some reviews that he found online for this game. And we're just going to make some assumptions about these people who wrote these crazy reviews so pete hit us up thanks andrew yeah as you know people who write reviews online are usually a special subset of people and uh here are some of my favorite folks who decided to review seven wonders duel andrew this person gave it a three out of ten and they said i just don't enjoy two-player dueling games uh andrew might i suggest in the future avoiding a two-player game that has duel in the title <laughs> You know what I mean? If you know this about yourself, don't set yourself up for failure. Also, um, I love that they said two-player dueling game as if there is some such thing as a three-player dueling game or a four-player dueling game. Like, duel kind of right. implies <laughs> two players, right? Isn't that what it's all about? <laughs> right, exactly. Andrew, this person gave it a 6 out of 10. They said, waiting for somebody to come and teach me how to appreciate it more than I do. It's okay, just not very inspiring. Now, Andrew... I like that this person is waiting for someone to sweep him off his feet and teach him to appreciate it. You know what I mean? It sounds like kind of like a like this person's taking a personal ad out. You know, me, straight, white, male, you, patient and willing to teach me to appreciate Seven Wonders Duel. (laughs) If you like Pina Colada and uh, Seven Wonders Duel. If you like Pina Colada and Seven Wonders Duel. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not, <laughs> we don't have to pay for that, Pila. Come on, let's be careful. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, Andrew, we lo- uh, Jimmy Buffett, hit us up. Know what I mean? I don't think that's or- Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Is that not? No, it's Just not. Jimmy Buffett? No, it's not. What? No, it's Pina definitely. Pina Colada? No, definitely. Look it up right now. I guarantee. No way, dude. <laughs> it's gotta be. No. Pina Colada. Oh, Rupert Holmes. Rupert Holmes. What in... <laughs> you must be kidding me, Andrew. This is literally blowing my mind that someone other than Jimmy Buffett wrote the Pina Colada song. I know, right? It's well, Oh you, my lord. You're just it's like you're stereotyping. This is a this Jimmy is Buffett. a Mandela effect uh <laughs> situation going on. You know what I mean? I swear my entire life up to this moment Jimmy Buffett had written that song, you know what I mean? No. Holy moly. It's the Baron Stain Bears all over again. Yeah. Well, I don't think Rupert Holmes is coming to sue our podcast <laughs> well that's his only song so let's be careful well that's a good point might be and maybe he's less maybe rupert holmes is a little bit less chill than 
Jimmy Buffett. Might might have to really watch it, honestly. That's a great point. Andrew, this person gave it a 6 out of 10. They said, lowered score because I learned a rule that ruined a lot of the game for me. But then they don't they don't go on to say what that rule was, Andrew. So it's like, it's a complete mystery. So I don't know. You tell me. What do you think? What do you think? Their partner made up something like, uh, like loser has to eat dog dookie or something like that. Because like that, that would definitely ruin the game for me if I learned that rule all of a sudden. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, wow, that's interesting. I wonder what rule it was. I I can't even figure it out. I don't know. It's just it's like... Complete mystery. Yeah. Andrew, this person gave it a 5.5 out of 10, and they just wrote Stevie Wonder, all, all caps uh, <laughs> for Wonder. This is just the kind of person who <laughs> writes a pun on the internet, you know what I mean, and then chuckles about it for like a week after they write it. You know what I, I mean? love this. This was, yeah. this was actually written by one of my professors at Dad Comedy School dad comedy school exactly <laughs> right yeah 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 i now andrew i thought that this guaranteed that this person was 50 plus years of age you know what right, i mean right. um but then i was so intrigued that oh. I, I clicked i clicked on their user info and i looked up some of their other reviews andrew yeah, yeah. here's their review for scythe the extremely popular game scythe yeah. Yep. Now, keep in mind, he's Swedish, so English is not his first language. Okay. Um, but still, the review for Scythe is, My brother that enjoys smelling his farts told me to give this game a better rating or he would fart on me, and his farts smell like risk, so I obeyed? <laughs> Two question marks. So, Andrew, <laughs> the, rest of the, uh, the rest of the reviews are are even more immature, if you uh, can believe it. So um, <laughs> I actually think it's just a Swedish 11-year-old in retrospect. I don't think he's 50 at all. I think he's <laughs> prepubescent, maybe. You know what I mean? Wow. The uh, Stevie Wonder joke was actually probably one of the better ones. That's uh... it's, a- it's actually his cleanest review. You know what I mean? Everything else is, excuse, blue. Wow. Um, I really want to... Okay, well, I'll, after the show, I'll look this person up. I want yeah, to we'll see look, the rest yeah, of Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what some of the rest of his are. I can't tell you uh, currently. You know what I mean? Uh, it's an 11-year-old or, Swedish We're going to get hit with that explicit tag. Right, right, right. All because of this Swedish troll. Okay. <laughs> Next. Andrew, this person gave it a 6 out of 10. They said, one tug of war game going on, one sudden death block match going on, one points scoring game going on. That's it. Well, Andrew, this person just named three games within one game, so I don't know if that's it is appropriate. Know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's not enough yeah. for them. Within one game, there's three different games you can pursue. You know what I mean? Like most games have one game. Right. This person's pointing out that this game has three games within it, essentially, and that's still not enough for them. This game. I wish this game had five ways to win. Three? Come on. Yeah. They're just all. They're just never satisfied. It could have a hundred ways to win, and they'd be like, "Well." But, you know, you could. There's room for one more, you know. <laughs> Andrew, this person gave it a 6 out of 10. They said, I haven't played it much. It seems fine, not exciting, and not offensive. Uh, were they expecting it to be offensive, Andrew? I don't... What What would have made them think... You know what I mean? Like, it was from the people who do Cards Against Humanity, you know what I mean? But, like, <laughs> right. set, set in ancient Greece or whatever, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> To build the lighthouse of Alexandria, you need your dead grandma's corpse and a wet fart or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, however, however, Cards Against Humanity would have made their this version of this game. So offensive. <laughs> Andrew, this person gave it a 7 out of 10. They said, neat little game. Feels kind of seven wondersy. Hmm. I wonder why that would be, Andrew. Yeah. Um, 
I think this person just read the title and just said, all right, I'll write a review. Yeah, right, right. They're like, what can I say about this game that I only know the title of? It's kind of like Seven Wonders. This is this is the kid who uh, had a whole month to read a book and then had to had to uh, write an essay on it and like just use the title. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, this person gave it an eight out of 10. They said, good, but needs more cars for variety. Now, Andrew, I'm going <laughs> to okay, assume yeah. that this is probably just a typo, you know what I mean? And they probably meant cards. But, right. hey, we don't know that, Andrew. Maybe not. Maybe they just hate that it takes place in an ancient time before cars were invented, and they really do think that it needs more cars, you know what I mean? Like Maybe they want this to be themed as cars, Pixar cars, you know? with Disney Lightning Pixar's McQueen. cars? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Lightning McQueen, you know what I mean, is one of the seven wonders. The, each one of the wonders is a, a different main character from disney pixar's cars yeah lightning mcqueen and mater and mm-hmm. uh jackson steel keep I going think is one of them uh you're getting deep on this then there's uh the old one doc Uh-oh. uh yep. you're losing it now <laughs> uh cars fans turning the podcast off because you couldn't because you, <laughs> you you said the old one doc <laughs> doc was the name of that one i um all right they're back <laughs> <laughs> Sa- Sally. Okay, I got Sally. Sally's in there. They're turning. They're turning the volume back up now. At this point, now <laughs> Andrew. There's Sally. The Itali- is there really one named Sally? Yeah, Sally. There's the Italian one who uh, is fashion. And you don't remember the Italian one's name? Typical no. of you. Yeah. No. There's the one that's uh, in Cars Two that's played by uh, Michael Caine uh, of Muppets Christmas Carol fame. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. That's pretty much all of them. Now. Andrew, also, what if there were cars in this one, but also people? So this is like not not in the not in the Disney Pixar world where there is no people that exist, right? Isn't that confirmed that in Disney Pixar's cars there are humans don't exist? Listen, we could do a whole hour on what is going on in the world <laughs> okay. of cars. Bonus, <laughs> bonus episode, yeah. Because <laughs> I I have so many questions, but yeah, no, there are, seem to be no people in that universe. We start a Patreon, and it literally everything you get from the Patreon is just cars related. You know what I mean? It's like how do they eat? I don't understand what they they it doesn't make any sense <laughs> but andrew i just like the idea of there being like uh i don't know minivans or whatever running over like roman centurions uh, <laughs> right. or whatever you know what i mean <laughs> like, yeah right mm-hmm. i love it andrew this person gave it a 10 out of 10 they love this game and their review is simply question mark hello that's it <laughs> that's the review <laughs> question mark space hello <laughs> now andrew I love it. This is a living, breathing review, Andrew. You, Andrew, showing up to read it, takes it by surprise, and then it turns to greet you. You know what I mean? You click on the you click on the board game forum, and you're suddenly looking right at it, and it turns to you, and it goes, Hello. <laughs> well, Andrew, I think you join me in saying hello right back at you, little review. That's we right. hope that you're well. Nice talking to you. Goodbye, and take care. <laughs> yes, I would join you in saying that to a review. <laughs> Whoop! question mark. Hello, it's Dr. Fraser Crane. Dr. Fraser Crane. Yes, Andrew, question mark, hello to Dr. Fraser Crane. We are, in fact, <laughs> just as surprised to see that he's here. And we do, in fact, greet Dr. Fraser Crane, just like that review does to us. Uh, come on in, Dr. Fraser Crane. You know what I mean? We hope that you're well, too. 
This is, of course, the segment where we count down the top 10 phrases that you'll hear someone say while playing this game. Number 10. Back in high school, they used to call me the eighth wonder of the world. Uh, hey, where are you going? Number 9. Gentlemen, listen carefully. You will go three paces, turn, and pick a card. Number 8. Statue of Zeus. Yeah, that reminds me that back in my college days, they used to call me the god of thunder. Hey, hey, where are you going? Number seven. I know it's just a card game, but I brought matching pistols, just in case. Number six. You know, the Colossus of Rhodes used to be my nickname at the gym. Hey, hey, where are you going? Number five. You know, Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton in a game of Seven Wonders Duel back in 1804. Number four. You know, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Yeah, that reminds me that uh, I wanted to show you what I got hanging on the back of my Ford F-150. Hey, where are you going? Number three. I'm kind of like Miyamoto Musashi, who fought 60 duels and never lost. What's that? You just got the last science card and won? Okay, well, I'm a little bit different than that guy then. Number two. Well, that was a well-played game, uh, and I have a lot of respect for your strategic play. Speaking of strategic play, what do you say we go back to my place and- Hey, hey where are you going? Number one. Now, we're scheduled to play Seven Wonders Duel at high noon, but I have no idea when that is. chess break okay it is time for another chess break let's take a little break pete right i mean we've been working hard yeah that's right andrew i think we deserve a break right now already in the show and <laughs> uh and we're gonna lounge back relax andrew and think about the extremely relaxing game of chess <laughs> right yes you could just relax and t- take your mind off of things when you're playing chess um, yeah, exactly. Just get a little meditative, you know what I mean? Just uh, one of the games where you're just able to kind of zone out. Yeah, and, uh... <laughs> exactly. Um, so for those of you not familiar, this is our ongoing game of chess. We make one move every episode, and I believe it is my turn. Not to be greedy, but I think it's my turn this this. Uh, well, it is your turn, and you are greedy, Andrew. That's what I say. So <laughs> both can be true. They're not mutually exclusive. Uh, really. All right. Here comes my super good chess move. You ready? My... Knight is going to be hopping on over to e5 to take what? your bishop. No. That's right. yep. Andrew. Your bishop's out of there. I guess yeah. Yeah, that's what a knight does, I guess. Now, I mean, <laughs> right. the, the bishop's just praying over there, and the knight's uh, just going to come cut him down, huh? Yeah. Well, pro- pro- bishop doesn't even have a weapon, probably, honestly. He's a, he's a warrior, what can I say? Um, yeah, I just know, I just noticed when I was looking at this, I was studying the chessboard and I just kind of noticed that I think you're very, surprisingly, you are very close to checkmating here. I think if I did, if I had done what I was originally going to do, mm-hmm. uh, I think you could have checkmated in like two more moves because I realized your, boss. I, I realized your queen, true. your queen was going to swoop in and I was going to be defenseless. So mm-hmm. Yeah, this might still happen though. though from what I'm looking, I haven't thought that. <laughs> it might still I, happen. I don't I know. Think, I, don't... I think I've just delayed it one turn, so maybe three more turns. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but you know what? Either way, win or lose, I am excited to see what game we'll be playing next. Uh, one turn at a time per our agreement. You remember that agreement, Pete? Uh, I do game? actually remember yes. that agreement. Whenever we're done with chess, we'll move on to. Oh yeah, right. It's it's whatever game we are currently. Reviewing. Um, reviewing when we end chess. Yes. Then that. Okay. Game so I gotta the... make sure that I don't that w- I gotta we gotta make sure that one of us does not win this on a on an extremely bad game. 
yeah, yeah, I, it's going to be so fun. It's so fun. I'm... Oh boy! Well, <laughs> this is what Andrew thinks is fun, folks. Yeah. I tell you, I love it. I love it. Oh, oh, hey, what? And this is what I think is fun, Andrew. Look at this. I'm, we're getting a call. It, it, it's an acquaintance calling. Acquaintance call in. Yeah, that's right. It's time for another acquaintance call in. This is the time in the show when, you know, somebody calls in who a lot of people would say is a friend of the show. But, you know, for us, that's just not true. Right. So we're just going to talk to an acquaintance, somebody that we just know. So, Pete, who do you have on the phone today? Hey, all right, Andrew. So today we are thrilled to be talking with Dan Kazmaier, who is the co-founder of Steeped Games and the co-creator and co-designer of both Chai and Chai T for Two, the uh, the newer um, release from Steeped Games. Dan, how you doing, my friend? Thanks for joining us. Good. Um, I know we're not besties yet, but hey, it's good to uh, be acquaintances with both of you. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good good thing to get out of the way up top, Dan. Our fans are always just knocking down our door, demanding to know whether the people we have on the show are actually our friends or not. So if you could confirm for them that we are, in fact, not friends, just acquaintances. Just acquaintances, you know, waiting for that Patreon release or Twitch subscriber, <laughs> yes. Amazon Prime, but we'll have to wait on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The the true sign of friendship um, in, in the modern age. You know what I mean? The, 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 the Twitch follow. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, Dan, you and your wife, Connie, have created an extremely popular game in, in Chai, and you are about to release yet another extremely popular game with Chai T for Two, which is your specifically two-player variant of Chai, right? Yeah, they're separate standalone games, but in the same universe. Um, it's still pretty niche. I mean, modern board games meets the T world. So it's been awesome having people from both sectors kind of intersect in this game. And uh, we've made it family friendly for both. Uh, T for two is a step up, similar, probably like just under Seven Wonders Duel or something, mm-hmm. uh, just above Patchwork. So yeah, we're, we're kind of light Euro gamers at heart. Um, as you know, I, I love to play chess as well. So we're always trying to create something that has a bit of strategy and depth, but doesn't overwhelm you as well. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, and Andrew and I always appreciate when somebody takes uh, like an existing game, essentially, and then makes a specifically two player version of it, because Andrew and I, of course, each other's only friend. We love to sit down with a game that is meant only for two players. There's a lot of games out there that are, you know, two to six, two to eight players. You know, what I mean, you can kind of customize, which is honestly the smartest, you know, way to do it if you're uh, I, I would assume if you're trying to make the most money or whatever but no this is the kind of thing you you and connie are thinking of andrew and i people like us who want to sit down and <laughs> and really relish the fact that it's just us alone in this world know what i mean yeah well we didn't know you when we made it it was more for us but mm-hmm. I'm oh, oh okay we, uh, all right cool well that's been well, great having you on the well, show dan all right <laughs> i mean we're all kind of it's kind of a cosmic thing we all kind of there is no you and us. Honestly, we're all kind of one. Right. So in a way, you did kind of know us and we knew you. And <laughs> we all designed it through the board collective. It was excellent. There you go. Yeah. Oh, now you're the talking. Board. Right. Now we're yes. talking. Uh, Andrew is assimilated and he's trying to get me currently uh, with a bunch of pamphlets. You <laughs> know what I mean? So, yeah, Dan, you, you briefly mentioned it, but like uh, Seven Wonders Duel was something you had described to me as kind of like the area or the range of difficulty that you and Connie were 
kind of aiming for when you were designing Chai T for two? And uh, and you just said it's kind of like a step up from patchwork, essentially. So explain that a little bit more. It, it, do, is, it, is it about like accessibility of all players? Is that the kind of thing that goes into a decision like that? Yeah, well, I guess Chai was more family weight, so it's 10 minutes per player. Even five-year-olds have played all the way up to grandma. So you, wow. you're a tea merchant. It's more of a recipe collection. There's a sliding market. If you're familiar with like Bejeweled or Candy Crush, so you're comboing these tiles to fulfill recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit more luck because you have tips that you're flipping over and items you find in the pantry like honey and milk. But specifically for T for Two, it's a dice worker placement game with different action spaces and has cards that serve as your engine builder. So everyone has a, a tea farm or a tea plantation. And you're playing cards around the sides in order to bump up tea from harvest to the ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of like a pickup and deliver system. So uh, so when you're transitioning from the the bigger game of Chai into the, like the two-player version, how much of it did you... Like, what's that process like? How much of it... Uh, how much of the mechanic of the, the original game are you taking into the new one? Or is it more just like I'm taking the theme? What's the process in, in turning it into a two-player game? Yeah, great question because we wanted something more for the tea connoisseurs. So uh. in the first game, we had five different player colors. So black tea, green tea, white tea, blue, which is oolong tea, and then rooibos for red. But we quickly found out that tea lovers don't appreciate rooibos in the same sense because it's a different plant altogether. Um, you know, super uh, popular in South Africa, but it made for a great red tea player for us. Yeah. So uh, the new game, um, Tea for Two, has fermented puer tea, which is little purple discs, um, which would be, you know, compressed for long voyages, that and then yellow tea. So those are the six primary types that tea is found across the world. So that one's more for the pu- uh, tea purists. We thought it'd be cool to look at how tea is actually made. So we took out like a good dozen... 15 books, reached out to experts, and then condensed kind of how it works into a, a board, an action board where cards are going alongside and then bumping things up. So yeah, we're, we're learning a lot along the way. Um, we wanted it similar to the original game, but we quickly realized we needed to do an overhaul with mechanics altogether. So completely different games, but same universe. Oh, that's cool. So so yeah. it sounds like, a, sounds like a lot of work actually goes into that, a lot of research and stuff like that. I appreciate all that work, but I was just kind of wondering if you know, personally, if you could do that for like every other board game out there, turn it into a two-player version for us, we'd really appreciate that. So, hey, you guys could do it as well. I mean, well, we're not quite, we're not quite as smart as you, so uh, you know, <laughs> you know, Andrew and I a little bit busy, Dan. I know you guys are just releasing uh, a brand new game and like you know, getting it started and launching it and stuff like that. But I uh, I probably have a few hot pockets, you know, that I got that are kind of burning a hole in my freezer. And Andrew's <laughs> got a kid and everything like that who's probably also burning a hole in his freezer. Uh, so it sounds like maybe this is something we were hoping that maybe you and Connie could maybe <laughs> take every single game in existence and make a two player version for us. You know what I mean? Well, no promises, but we are Canadian, so we'll you know do our best and apologize. Good, later. <laughs> perfect. Well, that's. <laughs> And Andrew and I are, are uh, square here in the, on the East Coast of the United States. So we are going to expect you to do everything for us. You know what I mean? So <laughs> this awesome. works perfectly. Uh, Dan, that's, uh, that's fascinating too, because of course we're talking in this episode about Seven Wonders Duels specifically. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of similarities there. I mean, they took obviously an existing very popular game, made it a two-player version. Right. And just like you said, they wanted to keep it very similar, 
but they also did some some deep mechanic overhauls. There's like instead of the passing the um, the hands of cards between the players, they yep. made an entirely new like um, system of laying the cards out. Um, one different system for each age, and that created a whole new way of of drafting, basically, where things are revealed over time depending on which cards you take and everything like that, for better or worse. Like some people love that mechanic. I know Andrew and I were just talking about how we really like it, and then some people on the internet, of course, you know, hate it like every on the internet does and uh, and they want the original so i'm sure that's something you know every every designer runs into when they try to make a Probably. kind of variant of a game and then of course there's the like actual like tug and war of the military in this mm -hmm. one too so it's like like you said there's like similar mechanics and it's in the same world but changed tweaked in a way to try to you know fit two players a little bit more so um that's that's fascinating yeah that's very cool yeah, there's a lot more tension, I would say, in Seven Wonders Duel, where um, you're trying to be aware of the different win conditions. Um, I think it was the third modern board game I played, apart from, you know, Ticket to Ride, Catan, Carcassonne. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember sitting in a, a local meetup, and one of the organizers just introduced it to me, and um, I got destroyed. I think he went on the military track pretty quick, but um, yeah, there's such a kind of like a meta to it. Like, if you know the yeah, deck, yeah then you can kind of figure out, well, maybe there's like a military card of these two cards that aren't flipped that might be critical for me to grab, or maybe my opponent would grab it and neutralize my advantage in military or like you're kind of hedging your bets quite a bit. And yet there's a lot of strategic elements to it. So um, yeah, I think it's definitely a wonderful model for um, two player games. I yeah. gotta ask, are, are you are you a man of science or are you a man of war, Dan? What do you think? <laughs> Uh, my dad's a science teacher, so I'll go with that. But okay. I'd say it's easier to do science in Seven Wonders, the regular game, mm. if no one's going for it. But yeah, no, it you got to do victory different ways. So yeah, and and I've noticed in um, specifically with with Chai T for Two, um, when I ha uh, all the research that I've done about Chai T for Two, I, I know that you also have built into it similar to Seven Wonders Duel the idea that you do have to kind of keep an eye on what your opponent's doing, and there are ways that you can kind of block or get in the way or kind of blow up the plans of your opponent, basically. And again, that's something that people like or don't like about specifically the two-player version of Seven Wonder, the duel that we're talking about in this episode. Some right. people love that it's actually more like head-to-head, -head, butting heads, and some people hate that it's more head-to-head -head like that, too. Um, with Chai T for Two, did you have that in mind when you went into it? Like, oh, this might be like more confrontational mm -hmm. of a version than, than original Chai was? Yeah, I think... Figuring out like player interaction is a huge part in designing the overall game experience. So um, Chai would be very, I guess, passive aggressive, mm -hmm. but to the extent where like in Azula, you can totally steal what other people want. It might hurt you quite a bit as well because you're giving up an opportunity cost. But in Chai, you're also rewarding each other because if I'm the green, green tea merchant and I want to complete a red rooibos order, I have to pay you a dollar for your little rooibos tokens. So there's a mm -hmm. bit of like cooperative elements, though not all together. I guess for T for two, it's more I'm placing dice and I can get in the way of what you're doing or trump what you're doing. So if you're getting five movement points on the production chart, I might play a higher set um, of, you know, three dice and bump you down. So now you're getting only three. Um, mm -hmm. In a sense, it's kind of like an auction mechanic where gamers have to decide what the true value is of their decision. Um, which is great across all the games. And that's where you have the richness of depth instead yeah. of the game telling you like, 
this action is worth this and this is worth that. Um, it's like, here's a multitude of options. Now you get to choose what to prioritize. Some players, they go complete aggro against each other. And if I'm watching, I'm like, well, you know, I know as a designer that they're spending way too much time interacting over one ship. They should be going for other ones. Like we had a person play five out of seven dice just to grab a boat. Um, you only need two. But then the other person wants to, you know, one-upmanship kind of thing. And and that's fair. It, it's a two-player game in that regard. And I know that um, Seven Wonders Duel has the same thing where both players don't have to go for military, but maybe mentally they just want to resolve that and go after each other. So, Yeah, I, I, I think I speak for Andrew and I when I say that we cannot wait in Chai T for two to um, steal everything from each other, basically, and get in each other's <laughs> way. Go as, go as aggro as possible on some of those games. I mean, uh, hey, oh. we love each other, but we're going to love exploring that element of it, I would say, for sure. So uh, thinking about Seven Wonders Duel specifically, Dan, I don't think there's any T representation in the game at all. But hey, I mean, come on, T's been you know around forever. So I guess my question for you is, how do you think it should appear in Seven Wonders Duel? If T was in Seven Wonders Duel, right? Like, would it be like a blue civilization card, or do you think it would be like a green science card? You know, I see T everywhere, so it's probably in mm. you know the vineyards, right? Wine is actually mm. a T. The tears of oh. uh, grapes. Um, yeah. They they oh. could totally have a. Well, I'm not sure if you played the Agora expansion, but maybe. You know, it's not yet thing in the Senate could yes. be some diplomatic thing. But uh, historically, tea was actually worth um, like one of the tea clippers, like forty five million dollars, one of the cargo Ooh. holds. So uh, it was definitely the the gold of the time or connected, wow. of course, with the opium wars. But yeah, I think just gold in general or coins is pretty equivalent to tea. Like yeah, I, I was going to I was going to ask specifically, like, let's say it is a blue civilization card, like a tea house or something like that, sure. or a tea clipper in that space. Like, what do you think would be the appropriate um, victory point amount? Because like <laughs> like the there's like bathhouses <laughs> in the game and they're like worth three. You know what I mean? But then there's aqueducts and they're worth like five. Now, if what you're saying about tea clippers is true, I mean, if it's if it's a tea clipper, then I mean, it's it's got to be worth a lot of victory points, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, maybe it's the pre-upgrade to the Roads of Colossus, right? And you have a Triune that upgrades to a T-Clipper, um, yes. which is the fastest, you know, ever made. Um, yes, yeah. yes. We'll have to wow, wow, wow. I like it. would be it. cool um, if Seven Wonders actually came out with like maybe a Middle Ages version, right? Where it's like a completely redone thing and you have cathedrals and uh, stables for, for horses as well. Like they already have that theme in it, but yeah, um, just like advancing the ages, so to speak. I like that. I think that's great. You could just keep um, going. Or even different like, parts of the world, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, you could keep going. It's like Assassin's Creed where it's a different uh, right. uh, time period every time, you know, <laughs> a little less violent maybe, or maybe, well, I guess it's similar. Still hard to I'm do sure the barrel rolls, but yeah. that's right. <laughs> I'm sure it's around the corner. I mean, if they, if they can make money off of it, hey, listen, Andrew, they're going to, some of the CEO is going to hear this episode and they're going to hear you <laughs> mention right. Assassin's Creed and Seven Wonders and they're going to put the math together. There's going to, they're going to be making some, some a lot moolah. of, a lot of CEOs do listen to our show. I know that for a fact. So it's kind of the number one podcast with CEOs, specifically, <laughs> That's right. um, which Andrew and I hate, honestly. <laughs> we, <hilarious. laughs> um, as a fun fact, I was actually looking into the Assassin's Creed IP um, and it's like really accessible, probably doesn't match with really? their brand, you know, swords and fighting duels that sort of thing and tea but yeah. Um, yeah you know there's always these fun projects you want to do and then you're like well we could rebrand on a different side project but who knows hopefully someone will do it 
Well, I'm sure there's some sort of underworld of tea, you know what I mean, where some back alley deals and things like that, where uh, some, you know, the the wrong, you know, the, the the wrong person at the wrong time in the wrong place or something like that gets in the way of a tea magnate or something like that. I'm sure there's, there's, there's something there. It's called Assassin's Tea or something. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on it. Yeah. Dan, you, you can have that it. one for free. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You can, yeah, you can, you can tag Andrew in the uh, contributions, but you don't have to worry about tagging <laughs> me on that one for the uh, Assassin's <laughs> Teed uh, title. I did have a friend, um, the, one of the first play testers. He's like, Dan, there's a market, you know, markets are in all board games. Why don't you have a black market for the tea? Because um, oh. we play lots of Lords of Waterdeep. So we thought, well, you could get negative points, you know, the scoundrels of Chai or something. Um, yes. Skullport, but yeah, I don't think we want to go that route for, you know, family stuff, but hey. Uh why not? Yeah, that's a different vibe than your your current, you know, uh, set of games. That is true. But hey, you never know. Now, Dan, you mentioned chess before that you are very into chess, but you were being extremely humble when you said that because something I know about you, Dan, is that you are a national master in Canada at chess. Are you not? Uh, that is true. So mm. I guess I've been playing it since 13. Did mm. lots of soccer and then had a lot of asthma. So I had to drop off the soccer team. Next week, showed up at the chess club, and um, I came like fourth in provincials a month later, but everyone else was sick, so they sent me to nationals. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I tied for last, but it like gave me a kind of a hunger to learn more. So I've read like hundreds of chess books, traveled to a dozen different country kind of thing, and played tournaments for a good 15, 16 years. So Connie and I got married, then a couple years in, I was like, hey, I don't think I can play for like a one-week tournament where you're playing one game a day because it just takes too much away from life and work and whatnot. So yeah, now we're kind of doing board game publishing and that's our vacations going to conventions <laughs> instead yeah. of the, uh, the chess tournaments. But yeah, it's just been a, a blast playing. Um, unfortunately in chess, you have like a little rating by your name and you can only blame yourself if you lose. So modern games, uh, apart from the earlier ones, we played Puerto Rico and we're instantly hooked. Or Seven Wonders Duel, like I mentioned after Lords of Waterdeep. And that was kind of like a, a reprieve from chess and it's just awesome hanging out with friends and meeting new ones uh where there isn't writing so it's been a lot of fun that's great um andrew and i are very into chess too and uh <laughs> we're probably kind of i don't know andrew i mean listen i we we never got invited to nationals or anything like that we haven't really been in a tournament <laughs> but i i'd say maybe if we did kind of the competitive circuit maybe we'd be like national masters or something like that andrew what do you think? probably if we tried yeah of course yeah right? probably no no of course <laughs> no. uh we are uh joking dan because we are probably the worst chess players that we know um amongst ourselves and you gotta get uh, some our, more friends acquaintances. yes yeah well <laughs> i don't know that's a good well, that's point. true we only know we only each know one person so uh, it's not hard to be the worst when you, we're also the worst and the best players that we know <laughs> amongst you know our, amongst each other do you have ratings like on chess.com or lead chess other websites we turned those off you know what i mean yeah. we uh <laughs> yeah, they were distracting you know <laughs> they were um they were putting me in a bad mood let's say so i uh <laughs> <laughs> i no shame. um I, I could see that there was a spot for like, you know, up to four digits. And I was like, uh, I was like, I'm sorry, is this not, you know, I mean, I thought it was two digits for a while, you know what I mean? But uh, I was like, is this thing broken? You know what I mean? I was tapping the app, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> putting your credit card into it. It keeps taking yes. it, but rating's not going up. I did put a lot, I did buy a bunch of V-Bucks, you know what I mean, from Epic uh, Games and I was able to get a score. I was able to buy a thousand score points, ELO points in, uh, in nice. chess recently on Fortnite uh, chess. 
We wanted to talk a little bit about chess specifically. Um, Andrew and I have been playing uh, one move of a chess game each episode, and I we might be getting close to the end, Andrew. I think we, were we, were mm-hmm. we were just talking about this. We were just talking that I think Pete is getting extremely close to... I just noticed, of course, that always happens. I just <laughs> noticed that I think he's getting a little close to checkmating me, uh, and I'm not sure that there's really anything I can do about it at this point. Yeah, good point, good point. Now, Dan, I, I um, in a moment of madness, I thought Dan might want to actually look at our a screenshot of our game uh and uh, and sent it to you and, and immediately said uh why would dan ever want to look at this but uh, i don't oh, know if I you got a chance a look. to look at that board yeah i just took a glance on my phone i'm trying to remember i mm-hmm. think uh, andrew did like knight takes e5 that's right that's that is what andrew did um at this point and i'm sure you when you glanced at the image you would probably were like how did the board get into this formation this is probably the <laughs> this is probably the, the most <laughs> i'm not quite sure um what the game score was earlier, but it kind of looks mm. like a French defense, if you're familiar with that opening. So there's a, a pawn on E6 and D5, those two white squares. Okay. I've always said we're kind of French around here. You know, that's kind <laughs> of how we operate. Oh, you said French. Okay, I, I heard pinch. I, good thing I didn't. Uh, well, now I'm now I'm showing my hand because I was about to say, yeah, that sounds like a pinch defense to me. <laughs> I was about to even <laughs> get it even worse on my end. No worries. Um, white yeah, was, French. White was probably winning. Um, it looked like... Yeah. White was up um, at least one minor piece, minor piece being a bishop or a knight. Those usually have a value of three, whereas pawns have a value of one. So now we're um, talking. Now we're getting into the spot, uh, the range of chess knowledge that I am very familiar with. Yeah. Uh, that, which is the elementary level. <laughs> <laughs> no, like most of the game is quite elementary in the sense of like, yeah. I have two attackers on your one pawn. You have one defender. So two minus one is one. I will come out ahead. Um, yeah, all yeah. things being equal. So yeah. Um, if I were to play Magnus Carlsen, uh, the world champion, and I was up a minor piece with the white position, I should theoretically be able to beat him. But that just shows the complete like magnitude of difference between his rating as a super grandmaster world champion and mine. So for me to play a normal person around my level, if I'm up a pawn, maybe a pawn and a half-ish, like that should be sufficient for victory. But yeah, there's so many other things going on and time management, uh, different tactics. You can kind of muddy the waters if you're losing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're also kind of forgetting, like I've been in that situation before. I might be up a minor piece or a pawn. I think yeah. I got this one in the back. You're kind of forgetting the part where I'm not really paying attention because my kid is like yelling and then I right. um, I <laughs> mess up and Pete takes my queen out of nowhere. You know, that, that yeah. That's kind of my that's kind of my favorite part of chess is when Andrew uh, messes up because uh, he's paying attention to his kid and I kind of <laughs> swoop in with some kind of French move, know what I mean? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like mon Dieu, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, they say the hardest game to win is the one game, so you're completely winning, but then mentally it's hard to close it out. The most common, you know, example uh, in sports would be tennis. So someone who's up a break and they're trying to serve out the set. And mentally, you have it in the bag, you should be able to win it, uh, but you just can't overcome because your opponent, they're all hyped up, they're trying to get back in the game, um, or you're down a touchdown, right, and they pull out all the stops, and so, yeah, if, if you're up material, it's really hard to win still. Well, Dan... You know, it sounds like you know a lot about chess. And as you know, Andrew and I um, know a lot about chess, too. You know what I mean? So we're probably kind of right there with you. Uh, (laughs) French defense and also probably some other countries' defenses and stuff like that are always on my mind. And 
I, I think uh, I think Andrew and I are, are ready to challenge you to a game, Dan. How about that? You know what I mean? Maybe winner takes all. The uh, the Ooh, the Canadian <laughs> uh, national master title is. I'm sure it's a belt of some sort. Uh, yeah. that we could that we could wear. You know, up here they just award maple syrup and um, handshake with a beaver. You know, that's all <laughs> yeah. you now that that's what I'm talking about. Because I've already got a belt, but I don't have a handshake with a beaver. So, <laughs> but uh, here's the thing, uh, Dan. Uh, well, first of all, Dan, I need you to agree to it. I uh, this is for the official belt. Uh, sure, yeah, or or any kind of uh, animal handshake that you 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 decide on the animal <laughs> and the uh, syrup. Well, you know, in, in Chai, we have Rodney Smith from Watch It Played. He's in a canoe as a Mountie. Um, yeah, and we have a couple beavers in there, but um, I think for his card, there's a moose. So this one, you know, a winner okay. gets to, uh, we'll have an honorary uh, moose. We have, now uh, we're talking. Yeah, now we're talking. Foods. We have uh, honorary moose, which are like little donuts. So we'll get you one of those as well. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So you have now agreed, Dan, and now I'm going to reveal the rules, uh, the terms of this game, which is that you're going to be completely blindfolded, which is to say you can't even look <laughs> at a board that we're playing on. And uh, Andrew and I will play together against you and we'll be looking at the board the entire time. And you just have to kind of call out your moves through memory and, and keep it all in your head. Sounds so, good. um, yep. Okay, good. Hey, now we're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, I'm, glad you, I'm glad it sounds good because it was already, you know, sorry, it was already in the rules, you know, when you agreed <laughs> to it and uh, the moose with the moose on the line. Um, and just for the listeners, um, it's kind of like Battleship where you have an eight by eight grid. So the bottom left corner would be A1 and the top right would be H8. So um, we're mm -hmm. just going to share the coordinates of the pieces moving. So like that's right. Pawn to E4 would be the king's pawn going up to. Right. And that's, Andrew, that's what we should open with. I, I'm an E4 guy. <laughs> the following is edited for time and also for dramatic effect. Awesome. Uh, yeah, well, my mental board picture is always from the white side. So already this is a little tricky. <laughs> You're throwing yes. out the shots. But, you know, in honor of the French, we have many amazing French Canadians. Uh, we're going to play the French defense. So pawn E7 to E6. Just up one space. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's great. One space. Hey, I feel like that's already in our favor, right, Andrew? He could have done two spaces. Now he only did one space. Should so. we do double pawns, Pete, in the middle? What do you think? Let's do it. What's this? This is D2, D4. That's the number one reply. Um, we're going to move our queen's pawn to D5. Okay, this is already a problem, Andrew, because now we have to make it a uh, this tough decision. And this <laughs> is why chess is hard. You got to protect um, with, the, with, the, with a knight, I think, right? We're going to be going knight from B1 to c3 uh i'm gonna do knight to f6 oh, now i just want to remind everybody that dan is blindfolded right now andrew let's pin the knight right let's go with bishop from uh c1 over to uh g5 right yep you're pinned dan thank you yeah you guys are actually pretty good i'm not believing the the triple <laughs> digits of the rating <laughs> uh, several bad moves from andrew and pete later dan starts to believe all right, so Dan, we're gonna we're gonna move Queen all the way over to uh, C three and and take that uh, take yeah. that Bishop from you. Unfortunately, that Queen on E three was guarding the Bishop on G five, so the Queen's gonna take that right now. And and Dan oh. is not looking at the board, and he knows all those people. Okay, that's the... oh, this is true. This is true. <laughs> I have to keep reminding myself of that. Like that, you. I know this. it's amazing to me, honestly, that he was able to even keep, have that in mind. 
Coochie mama, Andrew. Okay, okay. All right, our queen, Dan, we're going to move. So this is going from C3 just down the file to C7 to capture that pawn. Right. We're going to have to play uh, knight to C6. Uh You got to be a little careful because that queen is a little bit loose. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Hey, we don't watch what you say about the queen there, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so much, you know, so much for the family game chai, you know what I mean? After even more bad moves from Andrew and Pete. Yep, makes perfect sense. Dan, we're going to just, uh, we're just going to admit that that was a bad move and go all the way back to E2. <laughs> Rook to C8. And you know it's a bad sign when we got rooks coming out. Yeah, when rooks are already coming out. He hasn't even tried to castle yet, Andrew. That's how. That's what poor position we're in right now. Oof. Let's fast forward a bit. All right, Dan. We are going to just advance the rook one uh, square from uh, D1 to D2. Mighty Ducks. Hey, hey great movie. <laughs> Canadian <laughs> fan favorite. Yeah, oh, good, good, good. <laughs> Sad that they changed the name. Um. I was kind of hoping you would do that because a rook is worth five and a knight is worth three. Um, So I can actually hop in there with the knight because the C pawn is pinned with the rook um, with a check forking the king and rook. So I'm going to play a knight to B3 check. Oh, I did not see that one. Andrew, I think the only way we save face in this at this point, Andrew, is by doing that classic chess move where we surrender <laughs> you know what i mean and then several more bad moves later mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. quick with that mm-hmm. and again listeners i can't stress dan is not even looking at this board and andrew and i have four eyes currently looking at the same board <laughs> oh, good. well we got to move this king again and uh, we might as well put some pressure on that knight i guess andrew we could go to uh, e4 with the king we could uh, take, and, and we, at least we get a, a pawn out of that, right? Sure. I think that's the only legal move. I could be wrong, but... Oh, good point. Good point. Um, yes, you're Yes, right. it is. You're yes. right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Andrew and I spending five minutes not even seeing that it's the only one move that we could be making. <laughs> Andrew and Pete are down so low even God can't hear their pleas for mercy until... I, I'd like to offer a gentleman's draw, then we can share, you know, the spoils of war. Now that I would Thank accept, you. Dan, because I was just about to surrender. So if you say gentlemen's draw, hey, what, who am I to? I know even less about chess than you, Dan. So you must have seen that there was another move we could make that was going to suddenly, you know, you know, rocket us. I thought you might try to give up or something, and I couldn't let you do that. So we, you know, it's best to become maybe a little bit more than acquaintances, not quite friends. So yes, wow. Yes. So we yes. can say we officially drawed a chess master. Unbelievable, Pete. Good wow, job. Andrew. Wow, <laughs> wow, wow. I, uh, you know, what can I say? You know what I mean? And we kind of have an innate talent for it. Now, Dan, <laughs> before we let you go here, um, please tell all of our listeners um, exactly, you know, where to find you, anything you want to plug. Uh, one thing I will, I know I can plug for you right up top is that, um, well, Andrew, now when this comes out, the Kickstarter, I believe, for Chai T for Two will have ended uh, because it goes till June 4th. Isn't that true, Dan? Yeah, uh, there's no pressure at all. We'll have a pledge manager after just through our website. Deluxes are 39. I think retail, we're trying for 25. It just doesn't have the cool little T tins and uh, wooden components, extra metal coin, that kind of thing. But um, And you guys yeah. have gone all out 
for this. Um, that I mean, I if you look at this Kickstarter, and I really encourage every single person listening to this to go check out the Kickstarter for Chai Tea for Two. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful looking game, and all of the components that you get through pledging is beautiful too. So, um, so much. I, you will you will definitely not be um, you know disappointed that you checked out this Kickstarter and and pledged the money to get everything that that Dan and Connie have made. Dan. Truly a pleasure. Um, you have a website, right? Is it steepedgames.com? Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, steepedgames.com or Instagram, Twitter, the whole works. Perfect. Twitch too, so hey. Hey, Twitch <laughs> as well. Yeah, wow. and the board game community is is jumping on that Twitch um, more and more every day. So that is great. Totally. Dan, well, yeah, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure, Dan. Thank you so much for being here with us. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch up with you again soon. All right, take care for now. Thanks, Dan. Geez, Louise, that was fun talking to Dan, Andrew. Talk about an extremely talented, impressive man, and honestly has a ton of great ideas. But I'm not so different in terms of uh, having tons of great ideas, Andrew. I think maybe it's time to toss some of those ideas around in uh, some market research. Market research. Yes, Pete, I know this about you. You have tons of great ideas, and that's why we're doing this segment, Market Research. Pete and I actually did some research, believe it or not, and we figured out some ways that we could, uh, you know, sell more copies of Seven Wonders Duel because we know that they need our help, right? So Yeah. <laughs> this is data-driven, Andrew. We did that's some right. focus groups, and we gave some people some, um, some Mountain Dew coupons right. in exchange for their time. So here's what my uh, market research tells me, Pete, here, okay, in order to sell more. I just think the main thing we need are some new wonders, okay? We have the old wonders, right? Yep. They're old, and I actually did, this is true, I did some real research into the wonders of the ancient world. They're all right around the Mediterranean, you know, they're like in Greece and Egypt and stuff like that. Boring. Right. There are new modern wonders of the world that uh, we have today, which are a little bit more global. There's like the Great Wall of China, Machu Picchu, Taj Mahal, right, et cetera, et cetera. So. So I yep. feel like I feel like if we put those in instead or like add those on, then at least then we're talking to the whole world rather than just, you know, Greeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think that uh, that's how we do it. We put in some new wonders. What do you think? Andrew, I am simultaneously absolutely on the same page as you, but yes. also light years ahead of you, baby, Andrew, because I think we need new wonders. But I say we got to get real modern with it. Machu Picchu, Great Wall of China. Come huh. on, Andrew. Are they are a little old too. Yeah, with millennials these days and Generation Z, you think they want to? You think they want to go to some old crumbling site? Heck no, Andrew. So, I'm talking about the real wonders of today. You know what I mean? So what, like I'm the Gold, talking about Golden Gate Bridge and Empire State Building stuff like that? Kind of similar to that, Andrew. I'm, I'm talking about the warehouse level from Tony Hawk Pro Skater One, one of the <laughs> wonders of the world of the modern world, Andrew. I'm talking about The Simpsons, one of the modern you know wonders of the world, Andrew. Okay. Oh, I'm talking okay. about the Charlie Brown Christmas Special, okay? <laughs> one one of the modern seven wonders of the world. I'm talking about the school level from Tony Hawk Pro Skater One, Andrew. <laughs> I'm talking about Doritos, okay, one of right. the seven wonders of the modern world, Andrew. I'm talking about Can-Am spiders, you know, the <laughs> three-wheeled uh, motorcycle hybrid thing. Come on, that, that stuff's crazy. You uh, know what I mean? It's definitely a wonder. I'm talking about peanut M&Ms rounding us out as, as the seventh wonder of the world, Andrew. Right. That's right. The warehouse right. level from Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1, The Simpsons, Charlie Brown Christmas <laughs> Special, the school level from Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1, Doritos, Can-Am spiders, and peanut M&Ms, the seven wonders of the very modern world, Andrew. 
Why do I feel like now uh, I'm going to have to make some sort of collage of all these on my phone so we can put this on our social media? For social media, <laughs> Andrew? And then just share that with me, and I'll go ahead and steal that valor from you. That would be great, Andrew. You can get yeah. on that as soon as, you, soon as you want. Know what I mean? As soon as your kid goes down for bed, you can go ahead and get started right. on that for me. Great. Now, Andrew, now that we got some new wonders, we're going to need some resources to help them build these new wonders, right? So we're not going to be using lumber, you know, and bricks or clay and all that stuff from the original one. We got new wonders. We got to we got to update the the resources. So I'm talking about Adderall, you know what I mean, to help you with the ADHD. You know what I mean? I'm talking about Adobe <laughs> Photoshop. You know, I'm talking about memes <laughs> as resources, okay. Wi-Fi, K-Cups, you know what I mean? I'm right. saying... K-Cups, yeah. You know, these are the modern day resources. Know what I mean? Yes. And and in, instead of military victory, you get uh, Twitter to hate a person. Know what I mean? That's how you dominate militarily. Know what I mean? In in the in the modern right. world, you know, instead of right. science victory, you know, you just impress Gordon Ramsay with a dish. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Modern science domination. Know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then those units move like lightning, baby. Talk about lightning. They move like they move like Lightning McQueen even from <laughs> Disney Pixar's Cars. <laughs> right, taking it back to Cars again. Okay, good. Uh Cars just missed the cutoff for uh for one of the wonders of the modern world, uh, probably an expansion. Know what I mean? Right. It gets an honorable mention. Oh, in the expansion. That's right. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's the way I see the world, Andrew. But what if the world was a little different? Know what I mean, Andrew? If it takes a turn for the worst, it could get a little bit uh, post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic. Oh, okay. So we're talking about post-apocalypse. So after the apocalypse, okay, the world is done, right? There's only one copy of this game left. So we're going to assume that you and I are fighting over this game for our tribes. True. What weapon are we bringing to the fight? How far are you going to go, Pete? Well, Andrew, I'm going to take one of those big old gladiator shields, okay? Like um, the ones that you'd see, like the really good soldiers in, uh, I don't know, Rome or Greece or whatever. Who cares? To me, they're all the same. Know what I mean? Uh, They're probably the most most offensive thing you could say. To a, to a classicist or whatever out there. You know what I mean? You're right. Guys who study ancient history, just the head's exploding. Um, but anyway, uh, Andrew, whoever had gladiators, I'm taking the one of the big shields, okay? Because here's it can do two things, Andrew. Okay. First of all, it's going to maybe, probably protect me from whatever weapon you have. We'll find out in a second. But also, I'm just going to move in on you and bash you with it. Know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, like, kind of crouch and kind of well some might say cower behind the shield i wouldn't say that actually i would (laughs) say maybe kind of bravely i would say kind of bravely you know um position myself behind the shield and just kind of rush you you know what i mean and you're a pretty thin guy so um i'll just kind of crunch you real good hopefully with that shield uh yeah right okay (laughs) i see you're like you're kind of like one of those guys in the 300 right you have one of those shields that's what i'm picturing you're uh sure yeah 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 gerard butler or whatever that guy's name is okay no, uh, what I wrote down here is I'm bringing a, a chariot, okay, with a, a horse-drawn oh, chariot. Man. And, of course, it's got little spikes on the side and, you know, can shoot out grease and tacks and all that stuff that whatever chariot Well, that's do. bad for me because, the cha- I mean, that, that cha- a shield can't defend against a chariot. You're going to run me over. I'm going to trample you. I'm going to trample you. Um, Gosh darn it. 
So I think I'm taking this game. I don't know, but uh, who knows? Uh, maybe my horse will get scared of your of your shield and like rear up, you know, and like just run away. And then I'm kind of no. The horse is probably going to kick my butt. I mean, horses <laughs> are much stronger than me. See, you honestly, this is smart, but also. You know, you you basically asked a horse to fight your fight for you, which I got to give you much props. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not I didn't think about that. I thought about I was going to crunch your kind of thin frame with a big shield. And you said, you know, who has a much better frame, uh, an actual horse. And then that's (laughs) that's a good point. That's right. Uh, Now, this is post-apocalyptic, so it could be a zombie horse. You don't know. That's a good point. Like a radioactive like mutant horse or something. Right. Yeah. And and again, that makes it even stronger, essentially. And my shield can't be like a radioactive mutant zombie shield or it's just a normal shield. So, yeah, I'm looking real dumb and I don't have the game and I'm probably dead. So great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I really wanted this one, so thanks. Thanks for taking one for the yeah, team. Yeah, well, I I did too. And then, uh, you know, I, so I died doing what I loved, which was trying to get this game. Know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, hey, man, this world keeps getting rougher and rougher. Pete, take a look up in the sky. And that can't be, Andrew. Can it be? We can't be being invaded currently by extraterrestrials. extraterrestrials yes that's true george w bush has confirmed that the ufos are real and uh, aliens have landed and they've insisted that you show them your earth games <laughs> are, are you showing them this one why or why not man what an interesting story arc george w bush is uh <laughs> we don't have time to get into it right now but <laughs> i wow. knew that would, the, wi- the wikipedia that would entry off. for george w bush is gonna get nuts <laughs> He, the, guy, the guy still has some life left in him too. I can't. I can't wait to see how this turns out. The yeah. next turn this will take. Know what I mean? Right. Well, Andrew. So the aliens land, and we got to show them these games. I am gonna say, yeah, Andrew. I'm gonna show the Alien Seven Wonders duel because they probably had a hand in making the Seven Wonders. Know what I no. mean? <laughs> so, so if you show them this game, they'll be like, hey. The pyramids. Gosh, it's been probably like what, like five thousand years since we last saw these things, and then they're like, oh, it's kind of embarrassing, really. We kind of come a long way since we made these things. You know, these are kind of like our old stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, right. Or, or they might be like, oh, the mausoleum at uh, you know Halicarnassus or whatever the heck you say that is. Yeah, we were kind of hoping to kill all of you and kind of put you all in there. That's why we built that thing. And then uh, something else kind of came up, and so we split. But you are uh, still around, huh? There's kind of like a lot more of you now. Gonna need a bigger mausoleum. And then they're all laughing, know what I mean? Pete, uh, I think this conspiracy theory is confirmed because on my screen right here, what I have written down is, yes, I would show aliens this game because... I know they are extremely familiar with the seven wonders that they oh. possibly built. Question Bingo. Mark. <laughs> George Bush clapping at home in, uh, you know, in support of us. <laughs> He's watching the Texas Rangers baseball game right now, just clapping, uh, laughing, doing his funny little laugh. Yeah. We got to end the podcast because we find out that George W. Bush is our biggest fan. <laughs> yeah. Love to have you on the pod sometime, George. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Can't wait. Uh, my mom would love it. it, it and, it, and it, you know, every leftist's um, centrist mother would love for their child to interview George W. Bush. And anyway, anyway, that anyway, that's extraterrestrials. <laughs> uh, and it leaves me with a question on my mind, Andrew. Two could play this game, but should they? 
too good play this game, but should they? Hey, it is finally that time where we are going to ask the all-important question, how sure are we that two people should play this game? From 0 to 100%, what score did we give it? All right, Pete, let's see. Uh, how much do we like this game? I personally love this game. I thought it was hmm. fun. And normally I shy away from... I was reading the directions for this game, and I thought, okay, we got resources here. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. And there's, like, you got guilds and all this other stuff to pay attention yes. to. Yes. Right? But And I know that... And I was like, all right, Pete's going to love this game. I'm tying the napkin around my, you know, neck like an old Tex Avery cartoon right. or whatever, getting my <laughs> fork and knife out, and you're, you know, dropping an anvil on your head, basically. Right. I was thinking to myself, all right, this is going to be, I'm not going to like this game that much. It's going to be a good game, but I'm not going to like it. You're one of those old Tex Avery cartoon moments where you're like somehow like the saddest looking like wolf in the world and you're smoking seven cigarettes and there's like a cloud over your head. You remember those like extremely dark moments from like <laughs> old Looney Tunes, Merry Melodies, Tex Avery stuff where it's just like yeah. the most the most depressing looking scene of a, of a character smoking and drinking and <laughs> <laughs> living in a bottle <laughs> right anyway that was a cool part of our childhood sad violin music playing yeah i remember that yeah they used to play that on kids channels yes and we're fine <laughs> are we uh anyway <laughs> for, uh, yeah for some reason i loved this game i i guess it was maybe the card like I, like we said before i love the card flipping i love that you don't have to keep careful track of the resources and i also love that there are three ways to win i think that's what did it for me it was and once i realized that you don't have to be like I don't know, in, uh, uh, what's the other one we played? Agricola, you kind of have to really diversify your animals a little bit more. In this one, if you want to go all in on the warfare, you can. If you want to go all in on science, you can. There's just lots of different strategies in this one. So I, I gave mm-hmm. it a big rating. I gave it 92%. Wow, Andrew. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. Andrew, I uh, I agree with you. I, I, I really enjoyed this game, too. I really I really loved it, I guess I would say. Wow. <laughs> what a relief to, to finally say it out loud. The L word. No, but um, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I also love this game, Andrew. And uh, I thought the three different ways to win was great. I, I think that it's a very like amorphous game. I think it's, um, you know, you're constantly changing your plan, seeing based on what your opponent takes. You know, you you can play offensively, you can play defensively, you can pursue science. But when it seems like you know it's it's not working out, you can jump to something else. I yes, I love the moment where you find out new information in the middle of a game in the case of this game you know like flipping over a card that was previously unrevealed and then suddenly going wow now that i have new information i have to process that and either decide whether i now should change the plan or stick with the plan you know yes. what i mean what's in my yep. best interest i love i love making those calculations on the fly same and so um yeah, I think that makes the game very fresh every time that we play it, which I think is very nice, um, even though you're kind of doing similar things each time. Yeah, I think a point of that is that you can't think too far ahead. Like, you can have a plan, but the luck element can change your plan, which is, I think, what appeals to me. Like, I don't like the games where you have to be planning, or you can be planning, like, you know, 10 moves in advance, because I don't feel like thinking that far in advance. For this one, it's just like, yes. you're, you're a little bit along for the ride, and I like that. I'm like, well, let's just see where it goes, you know? Maybe, maybe this will work, maybe not. Maybe I can change my plan. So I like being along yeah. for the ride a little bit more. Yeah, and I think that boils down to what I would just, you know, phrase as accessibility, because there are yes. some people who 
are very good at planning super far ahead or whatever, and um, some people who are not. And in this case, like you said, in this game, you kind of don't have a choice. You have to kind of be able to just kind of improvise on the fly. Yeah. Um, and so I think that opens it up to a lot of people with different skill sets, basically. I, I, I like that there's almost always multiple good cards to take. So yes. um, you have like a, a lot of decisions to make and, and you can kind of really customize the way that you're going about things. I like the theme. You know, I mentioned it earlier, but the idea of like advancing a society is really cool. Reminds me a little bit of that. Uh, we've talked about it before, that old PC game, Civilization, which I love, you know, where you yep. just keep advancing a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that's a very cool idea you know what i mean as a as a human in the year you know 2021 it's like looking back on how far we've come and the things that we've accomplished is very interesting you know what i mean yeah. so i i think that's an evergreen theme so and i think they pull it off really well it doesn't go super deep but it doesn't kind of have to because the gameplay mechanics are strong so if the theme kind of starts to fade away it's it's because the game is taking you know the forefront and i think that's good i do feel like maybe there's a little bit of potential for it to get boring the more you play it i guess because then you'll really start to you'll you'll see all the same cards over and over again mm. but overall i think because of the randomness of of how the cards are dealt i think you kind of just constantly have to be like being flexible in your in the way that you go about it in your plan and and keeping an eye on what your opponent is doing as well so uh, overall i I, th I think it would stay fairly fresh and uh, and exciting honestly so that is why i also andrew ended up giving it a 92 percent sure <laughs> that two people should play this game now is this a first i believe this is the first time you and i have agreed on the score right down to the single digit Andrew. Wow, this is unprecedented. People, on the 30th episode of this podcast, Pete and I finally 100% agree that it is 92%. Yes. Uh, <laughs> 100% of the time, it's 92%. That's right. Well, let's take that 92% and, and, and look at our leaderboard. What do you say? Leaderboard. Okay, Andrew, looking at our leaderboard, that means that Seven Wonders Duel, due to our synergy, Andrew, mm -hmm. of reaction to this game, that it has now taken the number two spot. Whoa! It finally moved Star Wars Empire vs. Rebellion <laughs> down a spot, Andrew. <laughs> um, but it did not unseat Go at this point. Go is still at top. Go is the ancient game of Go at 95%. I don't know if that'll ever be top. We'll see. But yeah, 92 it, up there in second place. Well, so... So we could say that this is our top modern game, you know, because Go is such a, an old game. So Yeah, very true, very true. Go is our, our top classic game, I guess yeah. you would say, currently, and Seven Wonders Duel is our top modern game. I like that. Yeah, so they're kind of both at the top when you think about it that way. That's right. If you want to check out our full leaderboard, please go head over to our Tumblr. You can play that game, podcast.tumblr.com. And you can see all 30 games. Can you believe we have 30 games on there right now? All the way from Go, all the way down to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone Quidditch card game, which was... <laughs> From interesting, Andrew. I never thought about it until now, but maybe the but the shortest title, just two letters, go G O, oh. all the way down to the longest title I think we've had, which is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone: The Quidditch Card Game. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I never thought of it. You're right. So uh, that's a lesson to all your board game designers out there. If you make the title of your game short, we're more likely to rate it higher, just statistically. Yeah. Yeah. Just right. Just make a game that is just like an, a comma, and we'll probably <laughs> it'll. 
it'll be number one on our list. <laughs> well, um, Andrew, you can also follow us on Instagram at Two Can Play That Game Podcast or on Twitter at Two Play That Pod. Um, mm-hmm. And hey, why not just send us an email at Two Can Play That Game Podcast at gmail.com. You know what I mean? Send us your ideas for your shortest titles for games out there. You know what I mean? I guess there's <laughs> 26 letters in the you know English uh, Roman alphabet. So. That's right. Well, uh, and we do love, we, all seriousness, we do love getting recommendations for two-player games out there. So if you have a favorite, you know, let us know. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll do an episode about it in the future. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just, you know, ask us how we're doing for once. You know what I mean? We're always asking you. you know? Yeah, please. Come on. Andrew, speaking of how we're doing, are we cool? Are we cool? Oh, how nice of you to ask. Yeah, after playing this game, are we still cool? How many points did our friendship go up or down on the friendometer? Pete, mm-hmm. what do you think? Andrew, I say that our friendship went up by one point. Now, wow. I can't say it went up by a lot, Andrew, even though we had a lot of fun. You got to admit, this game is very confrontational. Know what I mean? You, yeah. The stuff that I do directly affects the stuff that you do. There's a lot of give and take and a lot of uh, what they call take that, which is to say, you know, kind of moves that hurt you. Yeah. So um, I can't say, you know, it's not exactly making us the best of friends, but it's still a very positive experience playing this game because it's so good. So up by one point. Yeah, it is sort of warfare and one-upsmanship in this game so um but something about it it's just it's it's one of those games where even though it's confrontational you can kind of respect a nice move by your opponent and be like oh that was that was good that was cool you know so mm-hmm. uh i agree i said plus one on the friendometer wow so we are really synergized this episode i can't believe it. it's like never happened yeah, yeah yeah we should play chess together cooperatively against somebody else you know more often andrew <laughs> Yeah, right. It'll really get us on the. It'll really sync us up. Maybe somebody who's never played chess before next time that might. Yeah, we should probably go against somebody who is worse than us. So uh, (laughs) if you're one of the two people out there, you know what I mean, who that applies to, you know, (laughs) hit us uh, up. Hit us up. Yeah. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) All right, and of course, tune in next time, folks. Unless you get another friend. Oh, that's right. In which case, uh, we're going to want you to tune into a different podcast. It's called Bourgeois Three. That's right, Andrew. That's the podcast where they discuss board games for three players and also discuss how to ensure the means of production never get into the hands of the proletariats. Yeah, that's it's not great, right? It's, uh... No, it's kind of like very much ag- against what Andrew and I believe in, honestly. So um, I guess we probably shouldn't have recommended that you listen to it. <laughs> By against what we believe in, you mean that it's because it's for people with uh, more than one friend right that's what, that's right, what you mean right exactly <laughs> yeah we are one one friendarians or you're right uh, right so <laughs> that's nothing to do with the proletarians we're we're one friendalists over here so You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean?